0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Chef's Meal, where we talk about whatever and never and everything else in between. Check, check. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us on another episode of The Chef's Meal. Today, very special. Actually, we're going we're gonna to party today. I didn't realize we're going to have two people on the show <laughs> with me today. Uh, we have JJ Outlaw from The Gourmet Goober. What's up, guys?
1: Hey, what's
2: up? Hey, what's on?
0: Hey, 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 hey! So we we actually planned this uh, for for a bit now, and I'm excited because you guys are foodies.
1: Yes, and I am. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm all about it. I work in the industry, so I'm always curious about what people eat. So we're, I think we're gonna have a good time here. Oh, it
1: sounds great! I'm, and again, yeah. thank you for having us on, Casey. Oh, thank time. you so much. <laughs>
0: I, I truly appreciate it. Now, if you guys don't mind, can you just tell everyone why you guys started the podcast? And why the Gourmet Goober?
1: <laughs> well, I can speak to that. And I'm JJ Outlaw, by the way, and I'm here with my hubby and podcast co-host, T I
2: am Tia
1: <laughs> And we are um, co-hosts for the Gourmet Goober. Everyone always asks about the name. Um, the Gourmet Goober actually was a nickname that was given to me by my father um, years ago. Oh. He's the one who taught me how to cook. And he... Um, And I, we would, you know, make breakfast every Saturday and Sunday morning. And whenever it was my turn, it was, I'm the oldest of four, he would say, you know, the Gourmet Goober is joining me in the kitchen. So that was the sort of his nickname that he had for me, and it stuck. And so when I started the blog, which preceded the podcast, the blog, um, the Gourmet Goober, it was intentionally just kind of like a food diary, foodie diary, Mm. because my husband and I, when we first got married, we live in Chicago and we relocated just across the border to northwest Indiana. Um, which is part of Chicagoland, even though it's in Indiana, it's sort of a root space that um is hilariously known as the region.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're the region.
1: Yes. Yeah. So got when we officially it. became region rats, as they call the people who live here. <laughs> oh. All of my foodie friends in Chicago's were like, Oh my God, what's what's over there? are, are you gonna have to like road trip back in order to find great places to eat and the answer is no there are a lot of cool underground places that we found and so I first started blogging about it and eventually we got invited to like food fest and we were on tv and I used to be um I I used to lead um food crawls through a company called dish crawl they saw my blog and they hired me to do it Oh wow! So it was kind of a cool time, but eventually, as sometimes happens, you know, you get a day job and where you can't dedicate as much time to it as you want anymore. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to let the brand go, and we really had a good time. So we transitioned the blog, um, maybe about uh, past two, what two three months?
2: Yeah, within the last two to three months.
1: Yeah, we transitioned it into a podcast.
2: And oh, wow.
0: So this is like new, new.
1: Yeah, this is like new. Oh, new. Wow. But the Gourmet Goober has been around for six years. But got yeah, it. Got it, got it. We, we totally love podcasting because it kind of gives us an opportunity just to um, chat every week. We share the best thing we ate. So we introduce people to restaurants in the area that they may not know about. And yeah, we just talk about everything from food to pop culture and we just have fun with it.
2: Yeah, we basically are, it's basically our little weekend, like, you know, hang out, something to do as long as we don't argue with each other. (laughs) Which
1: sometimes happens. That's usually when he steals cinnamon rolls, and we usually it's on the podcast, too.
2: Yeah, basically, this is keeping me from cinnamon rolls right now.
0: (laughs) You got to make sure you share them cinnamon rolls. No, I I totally get it.
3: Exactly. My wife
0: actually yells at me when I I partake on our food, which we actually share, and I keep telling her, I was like, babe, we're eating to eat like an experience. This is not just your plate. Like, we're... We're ordering like five things so we can all try it. But she gets all
2: possessive and
1: exactly.
2: it's a whole thing. But you know. That's okay. I'm possessive <laughs> also. <I guess. laughs>
1: you know, it's funny you said that. We actually talked about it, that on a recent podcast, the whole idea of community fries.
0: <laughs> oh, community fries. All right. Yes,
1: it's a community experience. You share and share alike. But, you know, Big Daddy and I, we've been together for 20 years. We met in college. so.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, six years.
1: 26 years now? Oh my gosh, that's nice. right. Yeah. Insane.
0: My wife and I are uh, <laughs> we're newlyweds, let's just say. Oh,
1: congrats. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, thank you so much. We are uh, been together for 4, married for 1. So it's pretty it's pretty surreal right now. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, we just celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. Um we've been together for 20 and we've been best friends for 26 years.
2: Yes. Wow. Yeah, we met in college
1: actually, our freshman year.
2: Even though I don't remember our first time meeting,
1: yeah, he doesn't remember how he met me.
2: (laughs) Was it over food?
1: Actually, it
0: was. (laughs) (laughs) Did it involve cinnamon rolls?
1: It did not, but it was actually pretty funny because, in a nutshell, we were. It involved Ben
2: and Jerry's. It it
1: involved Ben and Jerry's ice cream. We were eating with uh, Wingman when our roommates went on a date and we wound up marrying each other.
2: Hey.
0: i mean it's okay it's it's fate
2: right yes. yeah but that's the fun thing about it like i don't remember a single second of it
3: <laughs> but we said
2: a wing person like to we were just helping them you know get a nice little dating experience and basically we were so busy in the back arguing about basketball oh,
1: that's right we did get into an argument the first time yeah.
2: <laughs> that's all i was told was like yeah we basically got into an argument about basketball we couldn't stand each other for the next six months.
1: Yeah, and I I remember that because I said that I would never talk to you again, and it turns out I wound up being his RA in college.
0: Oh. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It was destined to be.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, take me through the experience of a blog, because I've never actually spoken to a blog person. Is it, because I understand the whole concept of it, you're putting your thoughts into paper, per se. Give me, like, Give me, like, a rundown on how you would schedule, I want to say, a a post, a blog post.
1: Well, yeah. Um, I know that when I started the blog and it was just supposed to be just a random, like, here, here's a recipe that I really like doing. And eventually, as we picked up readers, you know, we became more, um, in our case, we became more intentional with our posts. So Um. I tried to... The whole purpose of my blog is I wanted just to share our section of Chicagoland, if you will. Um, So oftentimes I would try to equally divide it between content that was original, that, you know, recipes that I've shared. And I shared some personal recipes like my um, Aunt Werner's chicken and and waffles. Um, And then I would go out into the community and I would just introduce myself and say, hey, I really like your establishment. Do you mind if I take Mm. some pictures and just talk about your restaurants? Um, For us, we were only passionate about sharing things that we really love. Um, So, you know, I know some blogs, they do reviews of restaurants and things like that. We try to shy away from that because our whole purpose is we wanted just to showcase the best of the area. Because from where we live, um, Northwest Indiana is not really known for their cuisine. Um,
3: Mm.
1: And eventually when we started Um, doing food events in Chicago and in Indiana, where basically we were hired to organize pretty much a food crawl where there are three or four restaurants um, that we um, hand selected and recreated a dining experience for people where they would uh, maybe have like some appetizers and some few key food items at, you know, three of the restaurants, the last one being a dessert on the crawl, if you will. Um mm. as we became better well known, we tried to integrate those personal experiences, walking people through what it was like to, you know, schedule the food blog and um, so things like that. I, I know our blogging experience is probably not the norm because um, even though we shared personal experiences and things like that, I really wanted to stick to more of the food aspect of it. Because my whole feeling is I wanted people just to step in and discover places that they would normally never see.
2: Got it. Yeah, and that's the thing because basically around Chicago, you know, Chicago is a hub for great cuisine. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of blogs and podcasts really around the Chicago area that I've come across that talk about all the great restaurants and holes in the wall. But at the same time, the blog post became more about kind of the unseen, unspoken about little places, whether it be in, let's say, downtown Chicago, the western suburbs, um, near the airports, and especially as we became regionites or region rats, going somewhere, you know, that no one else really goes to.
1: Right. And we were really fortunate and my husband, he grew up around this region. So, um, there are a lot of places that even though he was born and raised here, he didn't even know about, you know? Um, so it was just kind of a really cool experience to share together and just kind of discover a place that he thought he knew, you know, again, if you will.
0: It's, it's all about, it's all about the small things uh, I like to say. And uh, to attest to that, um, I want to say maybe four years ago now, maybe five years ago. Are you guys familiar with the Michelin standard, the Michelin stars? Yes. yes.
3: yes.
0: You guys have heard of it? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's a prestigious kind of title once you get a star because you can then charge a specific amount per plate for your diners. Right. But their criteria is so not picky, but it's just so thin that uh, not a lot of people can get into it. And they often overlook The most crucial of all aspects of cooking, and that is repeat customers, and just making sure it's consistent every day. Exactly. So, four years ago, there was a uh, a little stall, and I'm telling you, this is the first of its kind. A stall in Thailand, or uh, yeah, in Thailand, finally got a Michelin star. It's in its first kind, only for the sole purpose that his chicken is so damn good. People line up every day. And he's out he sells out every day. Nice. <laughs> that should be a, that should be a requirement. Not just the fancy platings, not just the, the little dots or the little circles that I call bull crap on a plate. Everyone can make that. It's it's the selling out every day, the, the the single thing that you're doing correctly and consistency. That should be like their main priority. And people would have a crap ton more Michelin stars if they actually looked. So now all eyes on the Michelin people right now because it's kind of, they have these blinders on per se cause they're little snubs, you know?
1: Right. And you know,
0: so I, I appreciate you guys looking for the small gems, let's say.
1: Yeah. And you know what, that, I, I really love that story because I think that's the heart of what we were trying to do with the gourmet goober. And even now with the podcast, um, because there are a lot of overlooked restaurants, a lot of places maybe need overlooked because of the communities that they're in. Um, like, for example, I'll give you an example. Um, we live in Northwest Indiana near um, the city of Gary. And hmm. Gary, as everyone is everyone maybe have heard about it, is unfortunately an economically depressed area because of, you know, the closure of the steel mills. Um, unfortunately, as often is the case, whenever communities are hit that hard economically, um, it affects the population. And so it's went through a period of adjustment. So when you think of Gary, Indiana, you never really think of food, but there are lots of really cool places that we found in the heart of Gary that people would never know about. Like for example, there's this place called Z's Donuts um, and Shakes. And they make mm-hmm. i am I, not even kidding—like these milkshakes and sundays that are taller than your head. Yeah,
2: some of them are like yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. almost like you know a foot and a half tall. Just.
1: Yes, I mean just crazy creations with like whole slices of cheesecake on top and
2: oh my, stuff my that
1: you would never imagine. And it's just right here. Um, there's another place um, that's Jay's Breakfast Club that I swear makes the best chicken and waffles you will ever put in your mouth. There there's you just random people that just show up out of the blue. And you can always tell on like a Saturday and Sunday, cause they're always full to the brim. And it's just yeah. one of those places that you hear about from word of mouth. And it's, I, I really love that. Cause you get to know the, the people who run the restaurant and why they really get involved with it. And my whole thought about the gourmet goober is I wanted to highlight places and give voices to people in the culinary industry that are usually ignored. Because I think yeah. that, like you said, those are little gems. Those are people who do it for the love of cooking, who are really passionate about what they're doing in the case of Jay's breakfast club, her chicken and waffle recipe and stuff that she learned from her mother and got passed down to her. Yeah. So to be able to highlight and uplift these places and be able to give Um, These spaces of voice, it's it's really important to us. That's why um, we end every podcast with "What's the best thing we ate every week?" and we share um, places that are not exactly on everyone's map, but really places that people should get to know.
2: Yeah, and some of them are even places. You know, they're just things that random creations that show up, you know, on our plate, and we're just like, okay, this is the best thing I ate this week. Hands down, and we're you know, we're
0: good with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that is uh, that's absolutely awesome. I, I appreciate you guys actually, you know, searching out the gems because, yeah, we can always get to the popular ones, but to actually find something and you're like, oh my god, this is like the best thing ever, why isn't anybody talking exactly. about this? Let's talk about it.
2: Yeah, the best thing so I'm all I'm like, all for, for me personally. The best thing that I have in my life is the gourmet goober. Aww. That being my wife is specifically for this reason. <laughs> I am the most, nor- like, I don't want to say normal, but I am the most stringent, like, non well adjusted. Like, I eat very few foods <laughs> outside of, like, you know, the main meat, potatoes, barely vegetables. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is that. Through this entire marriage, it has become the Gourmet Goobers, my wife, her mission to like have me try new things. I am the literal like Mikey in the commercial type person. It It is her mission throughout this entire process to like branch out and try new things, to go to new places, to encumber myself upon new foods. And something I like, some things I will run away from screaming, <laughs> but this whole process for me has been, like, the education.
1: Aww. That wasn't even promoted. That's so cute. I didn't know he was going to do that.
2: <laughs> yeah. <no>. Aww.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's because you took your cinnamon roll exactly. earlier, that's why. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> Let's get into some a little bit of food, if yeah. you guys don't mind. So like I said, I'm always curious about what people eat. As a chef, I'm always intrigued on how people eat, what they put into their bodies, and if they actually know exactly what the hell they're putting into their bodies. So I, I always ask these this, the same kind of questions, but everyone kind of gives the whole different feel to it. So if you guys yeah, don't mind, yeah, no worries. No. what do you absolutely
2: refuse to eat?
1: Oh my goodness.
2: Sushi. I don't. <laughs>
1: Which what? is funny because I love sushi. But to be fair, my husband's actually allergic to seafood. So there's the reason behind that. Oh, no. <laughs> he still eats shrimp, though. But...
0: So you, you can't come to my restaurant then.
1: <laughs> but, gosh, what is it that I absolutely see? The thing is, you know, if you've asked me that question when I was younger, I would say, straight up vegetables, but now as my husband can tell you and he's talked about me on the podcast many times, I get way too excited over broccoli. <laughs> that is no longer <laughs> a problem for me. Um you know what? Okay. I actually know. Um what? remember I told you the story about the pickled pig feet, Thomas? Yes. Yes, pickled pig feet is probably <laughs> I had a very bad experience. It ended with me fainting trying to pickle pig feet. <laughs>
3: Wow, so I'll,
1: I'll probably put that on the list, but yeah, I'm pretty adventurous. I, I can't really think of a lot of things I won't at least try.
0: There you go, at least as, as at least yeah. you're trying, right? It's <laughs> it, it becomes an experience, and that's always a good thing. Uh, because sushi in itself is daunting, and if you're allergic, yeah, don't eat it.
1: That's, <laughs>
0: that's not a good look, you No, might no, die. we,
1: we want to keep them it's, around, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. But sushi, though, I think the whole purpose of why we kind of did it back in so long ago it was a f- cheap form of food, if, you, if right. you think about it. Before it became this whole thing that people kind of revere as, you know, oh, my God, we're paying $80 for, like, four things of sushi. Um, back then, it's just seasoned rice, a little wasabi, and your piece of fish right. on top of it. It should be like a one-bite kind of thing. And uh, sushi sushi for me, is uh, it's up there. I, lo- I love sushi. O- only because I'm Asian, so it, it runs through my blood. Anything I-, I pretty much eat everything raw, especially in terms of fish. Now, uh, the most disgusting thing you guys have eaten. Mm.
2: Frog legs. <laughs> I-, and I think it was just the way I was prepared, but the uh, two times I've had frog legs in my life, I ran away screaming. But... <laughs> There's also something that, once again, that Gourmet Goober, wife, and her entire family have run me out of houses about <laughs> is the fact that I am probably the only person on this given earth who absolutely positively hates macaroni and cheese. Yeah, I hate it. Cannot digest it. Does not work in my stomach. I,
1: I'm yeah, that's
0: that's
1: sort
0: of Is it because for me? <laughs> Is it texture?
1: Yeah. Is it taste? You've never explained that to me. Why? I'm curious some, too. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: the thing. Some of it is, is some part of it is texture. Part of it is um just at a certain point in life I developed uh uh intolerance to like certain like cheeses. Actually a lot of cheese. If I eat a lot oh, yeah. of cheese and in combination with the noodles i absolutely like it just my body just will not take it in well and i just get sick but at the same time mm. i like to go out and grill and smoke things
3: oh my god and
2: i have no problem at all cooking for this entire family A thing like a big vat of, of smoked, smoked mac and, and cheese. cheese
3: with
1: amazing oh yeah product. that sounds <laughs> yeah. great
2: I will smoke the living sand out of it, but at the same time, will not eat it.
1: Huh? Most wow. disgusting thing I've ever eaten. Well, have been?
0: Yeah, the most disgusting thing. It's a
1: it's a hard yeah, question
0: because I feel like you you and I kind of do the same thing. We yeah. eat everything. So just yeah, just actually, think about it.
1: I have an answer, but I I have to like preface this because I'm actually friends with the person.
0: <laughs> oh oh, good lord. Okay. We'll leave that on a second. We'll I leave that, sure that on a on a, private, on a private on a private question.
1: It, okay, all right. And this person actually is a really great friend and she's an amazing chap and she actually is a chap. And um, but it was it was the chicken and waffles that she made and it was just oh, kind of okay. weird with it was um it was a dish that she was trying out and she wanted it, my opinion and I really love her and maybe I should have been more honest but like, <laughs> 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 but she made like this chicken and waffle but it was like with tempura breading instead of regular breading and the way the tempura breading was it was kind of like it wasn't crunchy or it was kind of like soggy it it didn't come out
2: mm-hmm. very
1: well at all shall we say
2: no, it was taking a totally different direction. It, I will say
1: that. And and I give her credit because she was trying to be creative with it, but it was not
2: <laughs> She got creative. Yes, she did.
1: <laughs> Let's <just> say it, <laughs> got creative. Uh, although I like create creativity and cooking, um I'm my and maybe part of it is because of the fact my mother is from the south. And so a lot of the recipes I know how to make are southern base. So I know what mm. I look for in certain things like for example I my favorite thing to make is um, chicken andouille gumbo and so I'm very precise on what I put in and how I prepare the roux and all of that stuff
2: yes so when something is off
1: it's a little odd so let's just say that the chicken and waffle made with the tempura did not turn out the way she had wanted it to
2: yeah there's a difference between and I say that with love exactly there's (laughs) definitely a difference between there's nothing wrong with experimenting. Experimenting is fine, but there's a pure difference between experiments and manslaughter. It's just, <laughs> it was so raw.
1: Strange. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I would just say, look, I, I called and I've blogged about this before. um, And I believe that people are too hung up when they cook about perfection. And I always call them happy accidents because yeah. there's, Something that you can easily turn it into something else. Like if you overcook, you know, a pork dish one time, I turn it into pork fried rice or things like that. I mean, there's always something you can do. Mm-hmm. So this is a happy accident that could not be reversed. <laughs> I'd like to say in the kitchen. And mm-hmm. sometimes that happens and that's okay.
2: Torture food.
0: Got it. Wow. Well, mine is, uh, mine is okra. I cannot you know stand what? okra.
1: Okra in gumbo. Like you I cannot make gumbo without okra. And my mother makes a good fried okra. But just okra on its own, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it depends how it's prepared to me. It's kind of slimy and, you know,
0: yeah.
2: Oh, It's, it's disgusting. <laughs> that's that's minute, what I get okra is. It's like, go- yeah,
0: it's, it's
1: like <laughs> yeah. <waters>.
2: wow, Wow. <laughs> I'm actually going to jump on the gourmet goober here and just say that one of the things that she absolutely could not stand for a long time was the concept of your typical deli lunch meat bologna and that's stand she just oh, not yeah. deal with bologna okay. but here's the thing that's she actually thing, she actually if you want to take it from here she actually uh, adapted and made a happy accident as she will and made it her own
1: oh is that when i discovered portadella yes which is it's like an Italian bologna, but it has like a higher fat content. So, more like if you render it, if you fry it, mm. or something, it's it's has a much more nuance in its taste because they have different spices in it. So, yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah. bologna, I cannot stand bologna. <laughs>
0: sure. I think it's more texture. Now that I'm now that I'm kind of hearing exactly how you're eating, but I'll, I'll, a long time ago, and I want to say, oh my god, like twenty some odd years ago, my grandmother. And I always, I always would like to share this because I think people should not serve this to their children ever. And I okay. want to make a clear point, right? My grandmother a long time ago made me okra oh. soup. Like just I'm okras.
3: Sorry.
0: And <laughs> no, no, I know. And there is this thing back in our house. Uh, we're Asian households. So no matter what's placed in front of you, you have to eat it until it's finished. And if you didn't, it will be there the next day. And then the next day after that. So for this one dish, and I want to kind of take you guys to the experience that I was having. My grandmother, after, I think it was like afternoon or something, she gave me a meal. She's like, hey, I have something new for you. I'm like, oh, perfect. I, I was just about to ask if I can make something with you. She then proceeds to give me the soup. I look at it, and I'm like, why is it not moving? <laughs> what is going on? I took a spoon, and then I'm like... You know what? I, I'm just gonna try it. You know, right. it, it's whatever. I then partake on this beautiful soup, and then soon after, um, in tears because oh. I could not, I could not process what that is. It's just a oh. bowl of goop, and I look at my grandfather, who's within um, within earshot. I was like, "Look, like, can you can you help me here? Like, I know we're supposed to eat everything, but just can you just look at this?" So he he comes up. He takes a look at it, hits the table, and he's like, um, what the hell's <laughs> happening? <laughs> now, my grandmother's in tears. She's like, I just wanted to make soup. There's this okra thing that was on sale. I'm like, but la, did you taste this? This is this is like yeah. snot. Like, what oh are you, goodness. what is going on? And so for that one rule that that's ironclad in the house, my grandfather said, you know what? We're not. We're wow. not
3: doing it today. <laughs> well, for-
0: so that's why I have PTSD <laughs> on okra. I can't do it. I will, however, eat it fried or in a gumbo if it's done proper uh, perfectly or some kind of if you need, you know, um, a, a viscous something to to uh, to to make your broth a little thicker. That's what that's what okra is. That's right. what it's it's good for. Um, I am I'm totally fine with it. it but just not
1: Oh my just goodness. by
0: itself, yeah. My,
1: it's my heart hurts hearing that story. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: you know, I really I relive that past every wow. time I tell it. But I think my point <laughs> will get across the more people I it tell that story. It should really
1: be a warning to, to everyone to not try to make a soup out of that. <laughs> 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 you are doing the Lord's work, sharing that story.
0: Thank you, thank you. Now, do you guys have any allergies?
2: Okay, I guess that should be the one to start this. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am. I have, first and foremost, yes, I have a lactose intolerance, but that has never stopped me from like drinking milk and milkshakes and ice cream. One, but two, my bigger <laughs> allergy is. It was actually a funny way that I found this out is that I have this uh, allergy to iodine. It just came up. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's it. Was weird. just very weird. Like one day. I had to have a, uh, what was it, an an X-ray? No,
1: you were taking an MRI.
2: Yeah, I was taking an MRI, (laughs) and the lady was asking me, like, random questions about, like, different foods. I'm not, sorry, different foods, but, like, was there, I have Mm -hmm. an allergy or something, or does something make me itch? And I said, yeah, every time, like, I eat fish or any kind of seafood, I get horrible itches. And it just kind of makes me, like, kind of break out. And she was like, so do you have an iodine allergy? And I'm like, I don't know, and... She went back in the back room and then said, yeah, um, the test is canceled. You're out. <laughs> and I'm <felt> good. <laughs> Meanwhile, I didn't know
1: this. So when we first got married, okay, let me just preface this by saying.
2: <laughs> so oh. when he said
1: his taste in food was really kind of basic, that is true. And, and I remember when we first got married, um, I asked him what he wanted me to cook for him because I – I happily do most of the cooking because I just love it. I just feel really relaxing. And Mm. he said, what was it? Meat, potatoes, beans, certain kinds of beans, rice. Mm -hmm. Like it was like a very basic list. And I'm like, I can't just eat that for the rest of my life. (laughs) So (laughs) I would just start making random stuff. And I just, and so I would make Mm. scallop and fish and things like that. And, you know, he would just eat it. And so after that test came by, and he, I was waiting for him to finish the MRI, and he goes, yeah, the test is canceled. I'm like, why? Is there something wrong? And with the machine, he goes, no. I, I think I'm allergic to iodine because, you know, fish just makes me itch. And I'm like, all this time I thought you didn't like the taste of fish. No. no. <laughs> I'm like slowly killing you, making the scallops and
3: stuff. <laughs> Maybe you should have shared
1: that beforehand. I
0: didn't know.
1: <laughs> but he didn't know. Yeah.
0: that's okay you wouldn't yeah you yeah, wouldn't know exactly. unless you've eaten it you know or have experience so, Yeah, yeah i'm with you
1: <laughs> so yeah definitely iodine for him um me i'm i guess the only thing is i'm lactose intolerant but i kind of power through that because you know ice cream is a beautiful thing and
3: i just ice don't know it was an like amazing cream, thing so yeah Came <laughs> <into that. laughs>
0: yeah well, did you guys actually know that 90 percent of humans 90 percent like the entire world
3: really lactose intolerant
0: like yeah, yeah, our, our bodies cannot process lactose, or um, more specifically, uh, cow milk. Yeah, because yeah. if you think about it, uh, human milk, like the mother's milk, is only supposed to be for her child because the child okay. needs nutrients to grow up. Much in the same likeness as the cow, uh, her milk is just supposed to be for her calf to grow. Up. But, you know, since we've been processing everything else, uh, that milk we can now consume but not a lot of people actually understand it so like if you're getting a stomach like oh man maybe i ate something wrong or maybe i ate something bad but if you think about it you maybe have right. eaten some milk or some kind of dairy and it's messing with your stomach but um yeah just a little fact knowledge for you guys if you don't, if you don't <laughs> mind. I'm, I'm all about I do, the knowledge
1: no, i just want to share it. everything
2: right. yeah like that I'm okra really you know right.
1: again doing the, the Lord's spreading nuts. <laughs>
2: Yeah. thank you so much I guess I'm just I'm just shocked by that because I guess it just came to me like so quickly like when I was a teenager because I know I started off or as I was told like I rejected my mother's milk and I was bottle fed from the start but I drank I'm willing saying say in my youth a lot of milk I mean everybody else's milk mm-hmm. I have put away more milk than cows <laughs> But yeah, it just, at a certain point, I just couldn't do it anymore. Oh.
1: Yeah. So that's interesting. I didn't realize that. And and to be fair, I still, yeah. uh, because I'm lactose intolerant, I've been um, I'm just experimenting with different types of milk and making things non-dairy when I can, like, you know, um, oat milk and almond yeah. milk are the two ones that I mainly use. But sometimes you just got to have mm-hmm. that ultra premium ice cream. So you just suffer through that because. You
0: know, oh, yes. life is too short to not have ice cream. In the <laughs> like, <laughs> like, amen to the ice cream. I love ice cream. Ice cream is like my second food that I cannot just not have. You know, yes. somebody says ice cream, I'm like, yes, <laughs> let's do it. I will never say no. Like a really small percentage that I'll say no, but more than 99% of the time I'll say yes to to ice mm-hmm. cream. Now, um, are you guys? Have you guys ever tried a uh, vegetarian yes. diet or vegan <laughs> He's
1: diet? He's gonna laugh because this—we've actually talked about this recently. Because we tried to do at least one meatless um, Monday a week, or at least one meatless meal. Um yes. Actually, my day job—I work in nonprofit spaces, and the last organization I worked with before coming to where I am now—it um, was a nonprofit social justice. Um, retreat center in sh- the south side of Chicago. And they were all about um, educating people on the um, vegan meals and vegetarian meals and the importance of the environment and just how much resources, you know, mm-hmm. it takes in order to raise a head of cattle and things like that. Oh, yeah. So one of the things oh, yeah. that I am really was grateful for the experience is I did a lot of vegetarian cooking for the guests and things like that, because that's all they serve. And so eventually that was one of the things that we decided to implement in our own diet behavior. So just one meal a week, just having something that's non-meat-based. And it's been really, really a great experience, just kind of experimenting and seeing all the different things that are out there. Um, Big Daddy and I have a rule, and he's looking at me and smiling because the rule is that I don't really tell him (laughs) what's in it until later.
3: (laughs) As long oh, as he doesn't okay. know what it is good. at first,
1: he's all good about it. <laughs> and then there's been some things that we've made that you've really liked, like the um, the cauliflower, the buffalo um, chicken cauliflower. You really like that? And then we've been hmm. experimenting with like beyond burger meat and things like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm all for it because I think it's really been a learning experience to know how much other um, – societies really regard meat and its importance in its diet. And just take into account just the crazy amount of resources that goes into, you know, maintaining, um, you know, her her cattle, for example. Yeah. Um, It's really shocking. So I, I tell everyone all the time that just try one meatless meal a week if I can
2: yeah i however am the most carnivorous person <laughs> amongst, i literally <laughs> like a meat concept <laughs> to me it's like it is the sun everything revolves around like if i make plain of dish it revolves around meat and the thing is i don't like because i have coworkers that are like i know one that is vegan one that is vegetarian and they try to come to me with like different alternative uh dishes to partake of and some you know some of them i've Mm -hmm. I've sampled and some of them were pretty decent at the same time i keep looking around like where's the beef because (laughs) that's the way i am but at the same time once again this whole process to me has been about food education and trying things that are outside of my comfort space and yes that includes some dishes that are plant-based
0: I am totally with you. Well, my my wife and I do what I call the 80/20 rule. Okay. So 80% plant-based.
2: Okay.
0: 20% everything else. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So we still we still partake on all the good stuff because one, I cannot have I cannot not have ice cream or pork. Those are my two favorite things in the whole world. Oh, you and, and, and I it around
1: great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I mean, my, my podcast name is Chef Salty Pork.
1: Yes. <laughs> because one, I'm,
0: I'm Asian, too. I'm Filipino and pork is just our second kind of right hand, let's just say. Um, but it, just kind of switching that method and eating more plant based, it gives you I don't know, I've been feeling a lot better lately and due to what I've been putting inside my body. So it's you know, it, it it's a good process to kind of think about in the long run. But I think you're in good hands, though. Because, you know, JJ JJ's a, JJ's a triple <laughs> altogether, so she's good.
1: You know what, though? I have to say, when I was in graduate school many years ago, um, for a short spell, I was vegetarian, and it was more or less not so much worried about the health aspects of it, but because of the costs um, of meat and things like that when I was in school. Um, that said, you know, when we decided to move towards the one meatless meal – I was really impressed with all of the incredible um, expansion of vegetarian choices that's mm. out there. Um, not just, you know, well, keep in mind I went to grad school in Mississippi. So finding things like tofu was an adventure in itself. <laughs> 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 so maybe the choices would have been bigger regardless, <laughs> but that said, um, yeah, it's more so the day I think it's really incredible. Be it, you know, as more people realize that, you know, there are a lot of benefits to going more to a plant based diet, that there are a lot of resources that are available. So you don't just have to have the standard veggie burger, um, the black bean burger from Mm. I I think it's Morningstar. Yeah, Yeah, I lived off of that Yeah,
0: Morningstar. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: I lived off of that as a grad student for many, many years. So I'm very familiar with it. (laughs) So to go towards that towards, you know, the impossible burger and some of the choices that they have that experimenting with setan and um, sour chorizo yeah sour oh my gosh we that's like oh. a staple in our house um so we use that a lot or the jack monk fruit um as a way to kind of substitute for pork and pulled pork so yeah there's just a ton of resources that are available now um that wasn't available even 10 15 years ago so yeah it's awesome to have these choices now, and it makes it easier to make those type of decisions.
2: Yeah, because really I'm I, I've come to this whole process kicking and screaming.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can actually imagine that. Like, oh
0: no, not again! I don't want a tofu burger.
2: Trust me, when you know we have meatless Monday, and then on Tuesday I feast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I don't heard. say anything if it's like, okay, we're just having meat on top of meat. Today, okay, oh, I get it. Goodness. Just slip in a vegetable and I'm
0: fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just put a broccoli in there. <laughs> oh,
0: word, word. All right. Now, yeah. I only got a couple more questions for you guys. Sure. But um, can you guys name me? Let's. I don't want to make it too difficult of a question. But let's say um, give me two dishes that have resounded with you guys this current week or last week from places that you've dined.
1: Hmm, that's a good question. Do you know what you're?
0: Two dishes.
1: Is it two dishes? Hmm.
0: Or just one dish, if you guys can't remember one dish that you really like from that one place. Okay. Like, oh, man, you should really check out this one
2: dish from... Okay, I know that I am... It is now something that I, off the top, will say that I have had a big abundance of, but the Gourmet Goober is a big fan of uh, poutine. She loves poutine. I like to go like when (laughs) I'm like leaving work, I like to pick up a large base of poutine for her to partake of. She loves it. Um, Me personally, I am the most simple person in the world and if you give me uh, grilled or fried, I guess I shouldn't say fried, but uh generally like i have had uh, jerk chicken absolutely like because uh, there's a there's actually a restaurant um like maybe 400 feet from where i work oh, that's yeah. called mm. jerk and they have
3: They're really good.
2: absolutely excellent um meat products uh they have festivals which are kind of like hush puppies but uh it's on it's in chicago on chicago avenue but it they have absolutely lovely food But yeah, I like going to Jerk and getting uh, Jerk Wings, but my wife loves poutine a great (laughs) deal. Yeah,
3: me too. I love poutine.
1: So if your listeners can send me lots of poutine, that'd be great. (laughs) No, No, it's embarrassing. We went to Toronto last year and I just ate my way through the whole city like, ooh, poutine. And he's like, ah, we have places to go.
0: That sounds like something I would do. That sounds great. (laughs)
1: Um, For me, actually, um, I know exactly my answer. Um, There is, um, I I work, if you're familiar with Chicago, Chicago has like 77 different neighborhoods and each of them have like their own little vibe and you could literally Mm -hmm. go down the street and cross from one neighborhood to the next.
2: And it's not all deep dish pizza.
1: Yes, it's not all deep dish pizza. So (laughs) I work in um, a section of Chicago called Humboldt Park. But literally just around the corner is the next neighborhood over, which is called Wicker Park. And in Wicker Park, there's this little cafe that's called Milk and Honey. And Cafe Milk and Honey is actually, some people may be familiar with it. If you um, have seen um, their granola in the grocery store, Um, they actually did Mm. a collaboration with um, celebrity chef Rick Bayless for a Mexican-inspired granola. Um, So a lot of times people are familiar with Milk and Honey as the granola brand, but not realizing there's an actual cafe behind it. Um, So the cafe is this little nondescript um, breakfast and lunch place in Worker Park, but off their breakfast menu, they have a few sandwiches. And one of the things they have that I really adore that I'm way more addicted to than I should admit, is they have their crab cake sandwich. And it's a very simple sandwich, um, two pretty substantial sized crab cakes. Um, They have a chipotle um, aioli that they use with it, Um, just simple romaine lettuce, and it's in a French baguette. And you would think, okay, something that basic would not taste good, but it is amazing. And the mm. crab cakes, like I said, they're fairly substantial. They're well seasoned. The breading is just perfect. Um, seriously, I I eat it more than I maybe should since starting to work in <laughs> um, but um, if you have a chance to eat that, it it's a sublime experience. It's definitely one of the best things that I've had um, in there the Willamette Part area, and I recommend it to anybody.
0: It's all about it's all about the simple. If they can pull off just a simple dish, but execute it properly, yes. it should be the most. It should be like the best thing ever.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Now, one final question, and this is the kicker that I always ask: Have you guys ever eaten spam?
1: Actually, yes. <laughs> yes. I love spam, and you know what?
3: Oh my, oh my god! I, yes.
1: When I was in college, when I was an RA, one of my students that lived on my floor was from hawaii and so she introduced me to a lot of spam dishes um (laughs) and so i forget the name of it um it's the simple it's like um you know it's the spam and the rice and they usually have like seaweed wrapped around it i can't think of the name now please forgive me i'm having a senior moment
3: (laughs) it's okay but
1: um yes sometimes when big daddy's not here he outlaw's not here, I indulge in the spam prize. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm actually a secret lover of spam.
0: <laughs> there you go. So oh, yeah, yes,
1: I'm a, I'm a big fan. <laughs> he's looking at me now because he didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm <pretty>
0: sure. <laughs> he's like, oh, I I swear how dare you? I, I didn't
2: know. One. <laughs>
1: You know, the fun thing about the podcasting is eventually there are things that come out that we discover about each other. And it's like,
0: There you go. See, I'm just here to make sure you guys understood each other.
1: <laughs> so I take it that you are a big fan of spam as well? I,
0: I am a big lover of anything pork, <laughs> but more specifically spam because um, during the World War, as you probably yes. would know, um, the, the, the troops from the States brought it over with them. Uh, over there in the East Coast, and then we found out about it. We're like, wow, this is amazing. We want more of it. So it became part of my childhood. We we would have spam, I don't know, two, three times a week over rice with some yeah. eggs, scallions, salt, mm. pepper. Yeah, I know. It's delicious. But my wife hates the damn thing. Hates <laughs> it. But I would change her mind someday. But for me, I, I always ask that because not too many people – um, say they've eaten it or know it or love it, like like you. Like spam you and
1: eggs is actually a really great thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that. I wish I could make it, but I don't have spam yeah. right now. <laughs> now, guys, this is part of the show. Like like I mentioned, I I, I appreciate you guys' time. Thank you for giving me forty seven of no, your minutes. It's
3: okay.
0: I know we uh, we kept going. We can keep on going because I can talk about food <laughs> all day. But if you guys don't mind, can you, uh, can you just uh, explain to everyone where they can find your show, what's the name of the podcast, and some links maybe?
1: Sure. Um, well, um, again, we are the Gourmet Goober Podcast. Um, you can actually find us on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, PodCoin, um, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere that you find a podcast now. <laughs> really blessed with mm-hmm. that. Um, you can catch it, our old um, blog, including some of the recipes that we post and some past things that we did at Um And, of course, you can catch us on social media. I'm at JJ Outlaw. I'm usually hanging out on Twitter or Instagram at Gourmet Goober And you're
2: – I am T. Outlaw. You can find me on Twitter at T. Outlaw. I am. And uh, on Instagram at T Outlaw Josie Wells, like the movie. Um, yeah, on Instagram. But yeah. yeah, otherwise, don't come look for me.
1: <laughs> we actually have a Facebook page, although I'll be honest, I'm more active on Twitter and Instagram. But if you want to check it out, it's the Bormi Google blog.
0: Now, guys, again, thank you so much. I, I truly appreciate it. We, we got to do it again. And actually, I'll ask you guys some deeper, deeper few <laughs> questions. To make you guys, you know, regret ever talking <laughs> to me, but it's gonna be
1: good. Like well, I mentioned, me revealed uh, my my love of spam, so.
0: Yes. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness! Now the show meals air every Monday. Uh, where I call uh, live in a restaurant where my sous chef and I talk. About our week and what happens with our employees when they don't do their damn jobs. And then Chef's Meals on Thursdays, where you can find people like the Gourmet Goober and their experiences all together. Guys, again, thank you. I appreciate you both. We definitely need to do Absolutely. this again, thank but um, with, with some more in depth questions, we'll make it like a like a course meal per Love se. Love it. And then you guys can look into each other's eyes and make faces.
2: As we're I doing right take now. You
0: Other than that, guys, thank you so much, and we'll catch you in the next one.
1: All right. Thanks, Casey.
2: The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts.